Hey Johnny, guess what? What? We are recording the second episode of the One Chit Wonder Board Gaming Podcast. We made it. We made it. I honestly can't believe that we made it to number two. Like, we had like a two-week hiatus. Yeah. Like, I was not sure we were going to get back to this. Yeah, we lost a lot of momentum with this. We lost a lot of momentum. Like Like, I said, we're busy people. (laughs) I know. But I'm glad that we got to do this. Uh, We got to play today. That was really fun. Mm -hmm. I'm sure you noticed. I ended up buying a mic after all. Yeah. Turns out that when I was re-listening to our podcast, I realized that I sounded really bad. And I like to think that it was because of the iPhone microphone. Uh But I bought this and I sound sound the exact same. I, I honestly can't believe that I sound like this because I now am starting to realize that I don't have a voice for radio. And I also don't have a face for TV, so <laughs> I might go back to blogging I mean, to do this. Kind of in the same boat, so. I don't know, man. Like, we we'll got see. a lot of hits on the on the picture of Descent with your pecs in the picture, uh-huh. so. Like, we got to <laughs> get. <laughs> we got Yeah, like, subscribe, OnlyFans coming soon. Uh, but anyways, uh, we just finished a two-player game of Uprising Curse of the Last Emperor, I think. Yep. Is that what it's called? I think it's good, yeah. Yeah, this is a game from Nemesis Games, which is actually the first project that I've ever seen from them. So, uh, Uprising Curse of the Last Emperor is a fully cooperative 4X game that has you and your allies fighting against two, like, opposing AI factions that interact very differently. Mm-hmm. You control four asymmetric factions and you will basically try to mitigate the damage that the chaos are trying to do to the land when they place curses and they're going around trying to destroy your bases as well as trying to combat the legion which controls the center of the map where there's kind of like a mechatol rex kind of deal where you can score a lot of points by capturing the middle. Uh, the game is extremely difficult there is a pretty decent amount of rng but i will say this was probably one of the most fun like hard co-op games that i've played in a really long time like i love like forbidden stars is my number one favorite game of all time and to have a 4x game be fully cooperative where we work together i honestly cannot think of any game out there right now that is like this. I think Voidfall is coming out soon. That is supposed to be a... Details a, are a little still... Kind yeah. Of but that's a really Euro-heavy centric focus. So I'm, yeah. I'm actually more excited to see... That one feels more abstract. Too, yeah. Not in a bad way. It's just that's... It's Mind Clash that makes Voidfall, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah this, and this can be a good game, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. I, I think it'll be abstract. great. I think Voidfall will be great. But I'm more interested in Voidfall now... Than I was about six months ago. Six months ago, yeah. before before Uprising came out, I never thought that I would be interested in Voidfall at all. But a four X co op game was really really good. Like yeah. I really enjoyed that. Um, what did you think? Like just so like uh, like elaborating. On the, this is like a really hard co op. Like Arkham Horror was is my favorite game and still is. And it's can be super hard, but with how many plays over hundred plus plays I've gotten in with my my LCG group, 
Um, we can usually do pretty well. We know how to manipulate the system and we still struggle and we'll have really bad turns and everything, but usually our win percentage is about 60, 70% now. And we probably need to play on hard, which we've done a few times and we did pretty well on that. And I thought that was pretty hard too. And Arkham was the hardest game I've ever played as a co-op wow. till now. Um, and Uprising makes Arkham feel like a walk in the park. Attention <laughs> Arkham, the narrative, like that, you know, you're not going to get the narrative aspect that you would in an LCG like Arkham, but Uprising with just like, it's pretty much tension all through the game. You have what, four rounds in the game, you have eight actions around, but it feels like every single action is like, just like right on the brink of like, like you, if you do this wrong, you, there's no room for recovery if you mess up almost, which is not true because you can recover, you can make few goofs here and there we made a bunch of goofs but it made it harder on ourselves but in the game you know we'll be a little swinging from time to time but it just all feels it felt fair the whole time to me at least yeah like um i think previously for me the hardest co-op game that i probably played man honestly it, robinson crusoe maybe robinson crusoe was really hard but like like so you know we talked a little bit about like hard co-ops and robinson crusoe kind of is like a feels bad co-op mm -hmm. you know like it it's kind of weird because the two games share a relatively similar amount of mechanics including like discovering tiles and rolling dice to like manage certain events but i always felt like i had some control over what i could do in uprising mm -hmm. in robinson crusoe it really just felt like it was just constant risk management. It was like, how much do I want to invest into building this rope that might help me down the line? But then the situation never comes up where the rope comes in handy. Like those kind of things like feels really bad because I don't like to invest a lot of time into trying to like build this engine that ends up not being useful at all. Mm -hmm. The thing that I really like about the way that Uprising manages difficulty is that it does throw a lot of RNG at you in the sense that the tiles will trigger really, really terrible wide range stuff. of terrible effects. Like, minimal stuff. Yeah. yeah. And then there's some that are like, oh, wow, this isn't that bad. Yeah, we survived that. Yeah, we did. And like, yeah, some people might not be super happy with the amount of RNG that comes in the tiles. But every turn you're gaining these powers called feats in this game. And as you progress, you kind of build up your, I guess, your faction to play a certain way based on how the game is going, mm -hmm. you know? Like, I think that just having those feats alone, if you took those out of the game, you would lose a lot of the mitigation that the game is providing for you to kind of deal with all the issues that comes up. Right. And the game would not be fun at all. I think the feats are a really big part well, of it. Yeah, that's, I think that's one of the core mechanics of the game that really makes it shine. Because the game feels tight. It gives you eight actions around, And you have so much to manage because you're fighting two separate factions. Your partner, in a cooperative sense, is that you, you're going to bounce ideas. You're communicating with them. But they can't... They can do some trades with you. They can help you a little bit here and there. But you're, help, you're just positioning each other to combat the enemies together. But the feats add basically making more action efficient. That's part of the mechanic. And you get these new upgrades. Your, your powers um, will give you become more efficient, making you feel stronger at the same time. And then it's just and it just works really well together in the sense that whenever you time that those feats to do something cool and do, especially because you build up to these big battles that feel really epic. So that's, I, I don't know how to describe it perfectly yet, but those feats, is, it really works really well because it makes like I'm, I'm playing a different faction. Like Dudley's character was doing, has this, this 
engine where he's using salt to power up his troops, but it, it's a little bit slower to start yeah. up. My engine was I can pump out all these little wall defender guys I can help defend while I hold down the line while he builds up, and it just it can bounce off each other. Yeah, like, you know, I felt like all the true signs of like, you know, the 4X, explore, exploit, exterminate, uh, crap was the last one. Explore, exterminate. Uh, expand. Expand, yeah. Yeah, and that's that's everything here, you know? Mm-hmm. You start off on one hex and you're going tile to tile to see what areas of the map that you can exploit the resources mm-hmm. from. And you have to expand your bases because that's really how you're going to score the majority of the points in the game. Mm-hmm. And then after that, the exterminate comes in. Like, all four X's are covered here. And that's a feeling that I don't get from any other co-op game. It's like... I mean, we don't, like, we don't have any really super true 4X games, even in, in, in PvP mode that we yeah. personally like. Forbidden Stars should. is the closest, and right. there's no exploring and in that is my game. kind of 4X game, which is, it's a 4X game, but it's not like this, though. Yeah, it's, it's lacking on the external. Yeah, because that one's a little bit more, yeah, the, the combat one is not, this one is, it's it's combat heavy. If oh, you're man. Many combat games, there's, yeah. there's plenty of that. Dude, the, that, you know, the combat is it can drag a little bit i can't lie about that mm-hmm. but dude i i was on the edge of my seat on like a lot of these like game like game tied turning battles it's right. like even on the very last turn that you took if we everything lost that everything was right we we min maxed the crap out of the last round like, like we spent, were like please roll your dice for the enemy i'm like I am looking at the future <laughs> turns that we need to calculate here to make sure that we have enough. I'm sorry, I couldn't like, wait. Guys. I couldn't wait. I wanted to see what happened. And like, then I rolled and I destroyed him, which was oh, bad because he's my partner, but I have to roll for the enemy. I know. It's just, yeah, it's... I don't think that there's any game like this. And I think that alone is high praise for the design because mm-hmm. truth be told, like, this is our third play. Mm-hmm. And, like... We went into it pretty quickly. There were still a little bit of like nitpicky outlier rule situation, Triggers mostly or, yeah, yeah, or unfamiliarity with like some of the terminology that they used. Mm-hmm. But like the actual play went smoothly, and I was never not engaged. Like I think one of the geniuses of this game design is that because we're alternating actions, it's like I feel like I'm always kind of like eager to take my turn oh yeah but the turns are so quick that i'm never really waiting on you like the the longest part of this game is the combat Mm -hmm. and for us in a two-player game i'm rolling for the enemy you're rolling for yourself and it's like i'm still engaged it might not be as it might not feel as good to Mm -hmm. roll like roll real hot against you but I, I'm know. rooting for him. Like when I'm rolling for the enemy, I'm like, please roll bad. <laughs> and like, I'm like, oh no, I rolled so good. Yeah. And then it's like, I don't know. You know, it's kind of funny that you mentioned that too, because like this kind of reminds me of like Arcadia Quest, where when you fight the NPCs and the your neighbor next to you will roll for them. Yeah. It kind of is a lot more fun than just flipping over a card or like doing some kind of automate. Like it, it feels like you're playing against your friend even though you're in like a full call i actually kind of enjoyed that now that i think about it yes yeah. yeah it was just man combat was just so fun because like, the problem with this, a lot of forex games in my opinion is like let's say you're playing a six player game even five player game like ti or eclipse 
two people are fighting. You're a spectator in that mm-hmm. game. You're sitting there watching them roll. You're not really engaged because it doesn't really impact you. It might because you're planning to go expand to their territory at some point. But it's kind of a passive experience. But in this game, we've played at two players, and we've also played at three players. Yep. And I was engaged for every combat. Even when I was a spectator, technically, I was still watching because I need to figure out, hey, if if the enemy destroys my our, one of my partners here, what do we do to recover or what do I need to do? To, know, if I might have some abilities that actually can help help yeah. them in that process. So I think that one of the most, I guess, important parts of this game to me is I actually felt that the game forced us into a ton of table talk. Like, you know, one of the mm-hmm. biggest issues with co-ops is that everyone like is like, can can it be quarterbacked? You know, like it can be a multiplayer soldier experience yeah. or a quarterback experience. Dude, yeah. this was impossible. No. You you were talking about buying a copy of this game to play two handed solo. I'll elaborate on that too. I have I, I could tell you I would not recommend this game solo. <laughs> Dude, and I, would... I and I can solo a lot of games like Yeah. You played three handed Marvel and Arkham <laughs> once, like some psycho. But like But now I, I have real friends. <laughs> 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 but like, I think that's part of one of my favorite things because, like, you have your own faction and you have your own power. So the game lets you have up to 10 powers and items that kind of... Oh, dude, we never even mentioned the item deck. So, okay, your faction has uh, two different faction leaders that will have their own set of feet cards that kind of shape their basic faction, you know, class abilities, type abilities. Right. But there's also a really thick item deck that refreshes every round and every time you buy an item. It comes out every round. Yeah. And you're combing through this deck to find really cool combos between the feet cards and the item cards to build like some Super Saiyan hero that is either right. great at questing, great right. at combat, great at moving around. And like... Dude, that was pro- okay. That was probably my favorite part. The feats combined with the items created a really super asymmetrical. Team. Yeah, but the thing is, like, you can trade because you can still there's their interaction. So like, I was able to feed Dudley some really strong cards. Mm-hmm. But the game is relentless though because you might have something good and it always will, like mm. it'll lay waste to the best plans. Like one, our final round before we can get set up, you lose all your items, and it felt bad in that moment. But we still had time to buy more, few more items. Mm-hmm. Some items can't. I won't get into the details of what happened with those other items. It still was really tricky to work around, and we misplayed some stuff. But there's still, it's, you know, when, when it eliminates one option, you, can, you will find that if, when a, in a co-op setting in this game, you can look at your partner, because if, if they're not wrecked yet, they can still <laughs> help you recover, or vice versa. And it's just that interaction between even a two-player game and three-player game, I don't think we'll ever play it for it. No, think, definitely I don't not. think so either. I think two to three is optimal. Three, if everyone knows how to play the game properly as well, too. So I guess that kind of leads into really the biggest downside of yes. this game. And, like, obviously we are praising this game a ton. Mostly the game fits yeah. right into our wheelhouse, you know? Like, growing up playing StarCraft and tech trees and stuff. Like, this game isn't that deep. There's not a complex tech tree. Mm -hmm. But you do have different units, and you have different feats, and you have different items that kind of make a really, like, unique-feeling faction, even though you could be playing the same one. But the, um... Oh, man, I lost my train of thought. The asymmetry of the factions, or...? Yeah, so, like, you know, growing up playing StarCraft, you know, you build up your base, you Mm -hmm. go out and attack... This 
totally feels like that. It's like, I remember playing like, like big game hunters comp stomp where mm-hmm. like you're trying to grind up like all these like wins on your yeah. stupid Starcraft two brood yeah. war record and you would go in these games and then you play like seven versus one computer. That's, this feels like that, except yeah. the computer is like super strong. I didn't think of it that way, but when you describe it, it gives me the same feeling that I had when I would, you know, play, you know, one, you know, a four player multi combat game of Starcraft or Total War or one of those like yeah. RTS games. And then you build out your faction, everyone's doing their own thing. So it gives you that same feeling. Yeah, it's, I, I there's no other game that mm-hmm. has created this in a co-op sense like we've played 4x's before you know we've both played ti4 eclipse forbidden stars like yeah i played exodus from SEMA. yeah none none of these are none of these are co-op and i honestly think that there's a really great space for a 4x co-op because Mm -hmm. one of the real big downsides of playing a 4x game is one you kind of need a decent number of people like the top 4x games are what ti4 eclipse and um that's it i don't know those yeah are the, those are, those the, are the two biggest ones yeah and eclipse plays best at five and when we played eclipse at my bachelor party it took six hours at five players it six hours dude it took six hours so at 12 yeah, yeah. it was it's almost six hours it was rough seat, yeah yeah and then ti ti4 everyone knows like even the most efficient groups still require six hours to play right that's the downside. That's what we were talking about. The downside of this game. So here's the one yeah, thing that I can games. complain about this. It's still a 4X game. And it was still long. Even the two of us, we played... Knowing the rules yeah, relatively well. We were very... I mean, we, we were very methodical. Yeah, yeah. But we... The game was a lot longer than it needed to be. And yeah. I can't lie. Like, I don't see it being much shorter than three hours. Three and a half will probably be the average play time with yeah. us knowing how to play pretty but well now. I will say one of the biggest things that is a benefit of a co-op 4X versus a competitive 4X is if you're playing TI4 and you Mess maybe up. made a bad play early, you're stuck for another 6 mm-hmm. to 10 to 15 yeah. hours. Same thing in Eclipse. You know, we've had games where people will get holed up in the yep. corner and then the wrong exploration tiles yep. come out. Disengage. And they're just kind of just waiting for the end of their turn. But in a co-op, you know, your partner can help you get out yeah. and dig you out of the hole if you need to. That's one of the, that's honestly one of the biggest perks because like there's not a co-op 4X game and for anyone to get a co-op or a 4X fix, yeah. you got to play a long competitive game that you potentially could be just out of the running that's, within the first one or two rounds. And that's the problem with a lot of 4X games. They, they're, they sound epic on paper and they give you that epic experience because there's so much going on. This game has the same thing, but since it's competitive in those games, you have to, if you're not, if you're not a front runner or you're not contention, it's like, what do you do for yeah. the next two, three hours? Like, yeah. I remember... You, you can know, king make. Yeah, you can make. You know, you can, if you're engaged, you like your friends, and you're still spending time with friends, and you're doing something that you all enjoy, which is great. But this game, on the other hand, like, it's, you, it keeps you engaged the whole time, because if you're not running your turn, you're helping your partner run their turn, because you're running the AI, you got to watch for everything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's something that I, we cannot reiterate enough. If you like 4X games, but you can't get five people together and you don't have six hours this is a really good point to jump in the game is not short i will i like it is not a short game 
but all you need is a buddy, and it is an epic what, 4X experience. What do you think if you, you know, we, we bounce, we, we, we get along really well, we, t- I mean, we bounce ideas off each other. What do you think if someone is more passive, like, like when they play board games, like how would they approach this game? Like, would they, you can't quarterback this game, like, yeah. like uh, I'll jump into the solo aspect of like why I would not recommend it in a second. <laughs> but like someone's passive, like what, what do you think how they would approach this game? How would it shape their experience? I think that, like, if you're a pretty passive player in general, I don't think co-ops would really be your jam in the first place. Yeah, like, I agree. If you're a passive player and you're not interested in table talk, yeah, I, I feel like you're well. a multiplayer, solitaire, Euro, mm-hmm. like, mind, ma- mind master type of guy. Yeah. And there's and nothing maybe, wrong maybe with that. Maybe Voidfall would be that, that game yeah, for you. you it know? could be. But, I mean, this table, or this table, this game, like... If you're if you're too passive with like your playstyle, I don't think you're gonna get the most out of it. You know, it, it it really feels like we were like I mean the game is set in a high fantasy setting, but I really did feel like we were two kingdoms that were like hey, there's this like together. really bad dude like yeah. rampaging across the land, and then there's another bad dude that's already ruled the land. Like let's do something about it. Mm-hmm. It feels really cool. Like we are not friends in the game because. There's certain aspects that it's we like can't combine forces is, to battle. Yeah. yeah. Common enemy. The enemy of my enemy is my friend. Yep. So, like, it's like two opposite factions working together to beat this guy, but you can't help each other as much as you would if you were, like, say, me and you couldn't control right. just one faction from mm-hmm. two separate sides of the board. We yeah. both controlled separate factions that couldn't really mix, but we still work together. Mm-hmm. I so, think... So, you can finish your thought real quick. Oh, yeah. I think that... You know, as a passive player, co-ops probably wouldn't even be your thing in the first place. Unless it's something lighter, because that's what you're just looking to, you know, entertain yeah. a group of friends together. You know. So what co-op, like, I mean, you asked this question, is actually really valid to think about now, because I can't think of a co-op game where you aren't encouraged to do a lot of table talk. Yeah, well, you know, Pandemic has that quarterbacking problem oh, yeah. in there. Um, it's just a lot of, a lot of you know, the game designs, there's a lot of smart designers now that kind of worked away the quarterback issues. And like you said, the earlier gen co-op games, you can probably get by with being passive because, you know, someone can quarterback or games that offer you the ability to, you know, that are a little more simple. Someone can like, you know, Forbidden, was it Forbidden Cities, Forbidden, Forbidden Island. Island. Like those games, you know, you can be passive relatively. You just have your one power that you manage and you might just kind of chip in here and there. But someone might, that knows the game even better or loves it, just plays it all the time. They can, they can run the whole game and maybe you yeah. still enjoy it, but... But yeah, a co-op requires a lot more engagement too. That's really the downfall of being a passive player in a co-op game because especially if it's quarterbackable, mm-hmm. like you don't even need to be there. Right. And that's that's a shame. And that's because, why some people don't like co-ops, you know. Yeah. And it's and it's fun, you know. There's 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 different games for everybody. Mhm. So, um kind of circling back a little bit, one thing that I really wanted to point out for anyone who's listening is I would like to like I kind of briefly mentioned that the quote-unquote tech tree which is really just a combination of your feats and your items in the game Mm -hmm. is a very like stripped down version of the tech tree you would see in like clash of cultures or like starcraft the board game or any kind of forbidden stars yeah yeah, forbidden stars any kind of true 4x but i actually think that plays to the game's strengths a lot because Mm -hmm. the game is already long and in order to minimize a lot of the downtime they streamlined a ton of the actions, you know, like all your actions are on your player board. 
-hmm. It's very clear. The game, honestly, is really accessible for new players as long as one player is very clear on the terminology. Our biggest rule struggle with this was really just like... Enemy. Yeah. What's a hex? What is a empty hex? Like Mm -hmm. those little things that we just really kind of forgot between plays. But the game, I think, does a really great job of just making everything very easy to process. You know, you know, everything is very intuitive. Mm -hmm. You know what your goals are. You know how things are moving. But there's just like they removed all the excess stuff. You're not looking through 30 powers to figure out which one's the best like an eclipse. And you're not looking at like a hundred powers in Clash of Cultures to see what you need to do. They remove a lot of the barriers to entry too. Um, This game, you know, like I read most of the rules and the rule book is, you know, if a lot of other designers of in this space can take some cues from their rule book too. The rule book has a lot of pages but it's a much smaller size. Like it's, it's what, maybe a six by six yeah, like 8x8 like eight 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 square book. book. But like the reference sheet is great because mm-hmm. it has what, like me and Della, when we ran some questions today, all I had to do was look at the reference sheet. I was looking at what we're kind of, are we activating Legion? And I'll have a page number to the rule book and I'll be like, go to that page. And then you read it and you figure out the problems. Like, you know, because you, everyone's played games and you try to figure out what's going on. Someone's flipping through the rule book furiously. And then, but this I'm game online. knows that it has a lot going on too, but they make, they take away like, they try to make it as easy as possible for you to enjoy the experience versus, you know, always referring to a rule book. Or, and the bare interest just, I think, is really good for a game of this weight. Yeah, and also, like, major props to the people who did the graphic design for this board game. Like, yeah. on the left side of the board where you're tracked, like, it has a spot for all your quest cards, your items deck. Even when you, like, buy an item or discard an item, it even tells you, replace yeah. this spot with a new item card from the deck. And then on the left side is just a long list of each phase of the game, what to do. And that really minimized the amount of time you had to refer to the rule book. Mm -hmm. Even like managing the AI, super easy because on the board they printed out what dice each, uh, what color dice each unit type rolls. Check the probabilities, everything. Yeah. Yeah, everything is on there. Like there's a lot going on, but the design really made it like anything you needed to know was available. Mm -hmm. Like it's... You can Honestly, feel I the can't think of a game better better UI than this. Yeah, like, yeah. It reminds me of the Root player boards where if you don't know Root that well, you just go from top to bottom, just mm-hmm. do what it tells you to do. You might not win, right. but you can you know, get by, have a learning yeah. game, and get a feel for what the turns are actually going to feel like. Yeah, you can tell the designers like put a lot of work in this game. Like uh, It feels like a game that's been well play-tested. Um, like, I... I'm just really amazed at how they were able to pull all these concepts together to create... I would say it's a very cohesive experience. Oh, yeah. Unbelievable. It's a long game. And you know, some long games have really points that drag in. Again, this game drags in the combat portion a little bit. But, you know, you're playing co-op, you're engaged, you're you're helping your partner, you do everything. It's just the whole time, I was never... I never felt like it was a long game. Me neither. I honestly was like... I was looking forward to the next one. What do we have? What's going to happen? What's going to happen? I remember we finished the first chapter, and I was like, wow, that went by pretty fast. And you're like, that took like an hour. And I honestly couldn't even believe it. Right. Because, like, we were... I was so, like, entranced by the idea of, like, okay, you know, my goal is to build up my resources early and I mm-hmm. could be a late game powerhouse while you were defending early. Mm-hmm. And I was just thinking about all these scenarios that 
like I didn't even realize we took an hour on the first chapter. Yeah. And I mean, to be fair, you know, we're chatting, we're hanging out. It's not like we were rushing through it, mm-hmm. but we spent a lot of time deliberating on a lot of turns. And I think that as we get better at the game, those decisions are going to be a lot quicker. Mm-hmm. We cut out some rules. Yeah. It's still a long game, but I don't think it's outside the realm of feasibility for a game day, game night for me, you, and maybe a third person once in yeah. a while. Yeah, and th- that's going to be the main course. Like, Oh, yeah, for like sure. We had dinner, or early dinner at 5 <laughs> o'clock. We started, we set up the game, and we you know, chit-chatted, and yeah. know, talked to the wife a little bit, and then we were hit the ground running. <laughs> yeah, it's it, it flew by, yeah. man. It it flew by. And anytime a game flies by like that, and after we finish, I was like, I'm already thinking about... Playing again. Yeah, like how I could do better. Yeah. You know? Oh, you know, it's funny that we kind of fell on this topic too because... So this is our third play, and I will say our second play doesn't really count because I was really distracted and we lost really early. He was getting married that day. I was getting married that day. I had a lot going on, and I just... I, I blew it. I'm not going to lie. I blew it for my team. I... I Lost my entire army in like round two, and it was just. I don't even think it was round two. Oh man, it was bad. I was very distracted. So even if we don't count that, let's yeah. say this is two plays, right? I've learned so much organically about how to be better at this game, and I think that's something that stands to be complimented because you think about how some of these, especially four X and area control games, like. There's so much information that is not available to you right away mm-hmm. that you can't quite see the areas where you need to improve. And really the biggest culprit to me about this and one of the reasons why I don't like it as much is Blood Rage. It's like anytime I've played Blood Rage, anyone who's relatively new just cannot see how to get better at the game until they get like all the cards out in front of them. Like you have to and see what's see in the other decks. players' strategies that yep. know how to play the game. And the engines that they're running to score oh, yeah. points. Mm-hmm. On our first play, you know, we like we did we did we did okay. We made it to like I think chapter four. We actually made it harder on two rules. Yeah, we we played a bunch of rules wrong. And we took a lot of those concepts to our second play, which did not go well. That was uh-huh. my bad. Yeah. But even after our second play, we were talking about it today. We were like, okay, build archers, don't attack first round. Yeah. And we like kind of made the idea of like, okay, part of the strategy of this game is to manipulate the two opposing AI forces and make them fight each other, and then we kind of swoop that's, in and clean up. That's a really cool concept too. Oh this man, game. so like, cool! Like the enemies are fighting you, but they're also fighting each other, and it's just I don't know how to describe it. I've never seen that done in a game before. In yeah, any cooperative environment. Like it's that. it's almost like you're playing a four player four yeah. X game, and two of them are AIs yeah. that are surprisingly simple to run yeah you know like once you get past the uh difficulty of the terminology of what they're referring to like flows the game posts a list it's like hey this guy's gonna move here if he can't move here he's gonna move here if he can't move here he's gonna move here and if we just followed the list we had no problems every time yeah and like they man the design the designers that made this game just really really simplified the worst parts of the game, which is usually running the AI. We spent the majority of our time taking our actions, building our armies, and running around yeah. fighting stuff. When it came to the AI phase, it took like, you know, what, a minute per uh, per enemy unit, mm-hmm. and then we scored each faction in like another 30 seconds each, and then we were on to the next round. This is kind of kind of 
go back to us talking about Descent a little bit, like mm-hmm. how like the the app streamlines things. Like this game itself, like the designers kind of made it so feel streamlined, but adds, it still has all the depth of a, a heavy four X game. But the designer streamlined the, all those little steps, just like an app would handle almost. Like you just look at that flowchart, and once you do a few rounds, you know how everything works, and it just it just goes. It just it just works. I don't know yeah. how to describe it. It's, 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 like I said, usually I play a lot one of games. Of a kind. This yeah. is a truly unique game that I've never played anything yeah, like it before. I can't make too many comparisons to it at all. Like it has the it's a traditional four X with all those the, the four E's there, but the way they blend all the mechanics together. It's, it's a just, four E game. Yeah, four <laughs> X <4X> game. <laughs> so uh, you know we're talking about co- comparison to Descent in the app. Do you feel that the game is fiddly? Because the game is pretty streamlined, mm-hmm. but without actually having an app handling all the resources, all the AI actions, yeah. would you say the game was fiddly? I don't think so. Me neither. I was hoping you were going to say that because I was going to compliment the game on how well that it managed to make your hands moving around the board very minimal. A lot of the actions are, you know, half the actions are buy a card, do a quest. Mm -hmm. The majority of what you're doing is rolling dice, and everyone who likes rolling dice is going to love rolling dice in this game. But you're not constantly switching out resources. You're not constantly shuffling cards. You're not constantly dealing out new stuff. The most fiddly part about this game, honestly, is just rolling the dice. Because sometimes you have like a stalemate combat and you're just going through three or four rounds of combat. It kind of can get a little tedious. Any dice combat game is going to have that. Yeah. It just, it's just part of the RNG. The, it you is. both roll nulls, nulls and then you just roll again. <laughs> yeah. And that's the most fiddly part, which really wasn't that bad for me mm-hmm. because I am fighting against you in a sense because I'm controlling the AI while you're rolling for yourself. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, it kind of maintains that engagement for me, even though it is like the quote unquote upkeep of the AI yeah. kind of deal. Yeah. And then, you know, like a lot of. Um, cooperative games, it has a lot of steps to their their upkeep phase, like a mythos phase, and a lot of triggers to maintain that you can that you can get lost to. And this game has those triggers that you might forget to, but I don't know. It's just the the it just flows like it it lays out every step, even like the upkeep. It says do this, do this, do this. Yeah. And the next thing you know, you're in the event phase. Read the chapter event tells you what to do, <laughs> and then you're off to doing your actions. Yeah. So you were mentioning something about uh, soloing this game. You want to get into that? Yes. Um, my quick quick take on it, um, you know, because usually you, when you play certain co-op games, you're like, oh, yeah, you know, like, it's no different if I control those two characters versus somebody else. Like, this game, you can do it, but it would not be fun, and it would take away from the magic of the game. Yeah. Because you lose the table talk. You're just talking to yourself, obviously, if you're playing solo, and then rolling for each other. Um, like that's part of like that interaction and it, you know, who's gonna, who's rooting for you when you're rolling against the enemy of yours playing solo. <laughs> and then you have to upkeep with um, so many things already. Like it would, it just, which is melt your brain. Yeah. Like, you know, if you like solo games and this feels like, and you've played it and you like, I'll solo this. this is great. More power to you. But I would not recommend this game as solo at all because there's just so much going on and it takes away, like it takes away from the, 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 the charm of this game. Yeah, I think, like, once the game reaches past two hours, being soloable is right. really tough. Like, yeah. I think it has to have a really heavy narrative element yeah. 
This one is for bad. yeah, it's it's it has an emergent narrative because it tells kind of like a, the story of our battle. This game, mm-hmm. yeah, the event chapters give a little flavor. Yeah, it elaborates on the, the world building a little bit. But yeah, but once a game breaks two hours, like I think two hours is the max I could play a solo game. Mm-hmm. Mostly because the reason I'm playing solo games is because I just have like a little bit of free time. Yeah, if I had a large block of time, I'd be like, hey, maybe someone wants to come hang out and mm-hmm. play Uprising. Yeah, but um, would you say that? If, say, the designers offered a true solo where you somehow could control one faction and play against mm-hmm. two AIs, would that make it easier? Would that be more doable? It'd be pro- probably. A lot of people on Board Game Geek are asking the for designers for a true solo. I don't think it would happen. I don't see how they could possibly yeah. balance it to make it viable. Right. And I, But I do think that, like, like in today's game... Your faction felt noticeably stronger early. Like, mm-hmm. you had access to the blue dice, which are better defensive dice. Yeah. I had terrible dice early. I was a late-game powerhouse. Mm-hmm. But I, we were just trying to keep you alive to get there. Yeah, like, I was useless for a round and a half. And mm-hmm. then once I got, like, my uh, rangers out, it was just, like, I was mowing down yeah. dudes. It was... It was, it was a great experience. Mm-hmm. I and, really you know, when I play, game. like, cooperative games, I like to play support. So, like, it was nice because I could help defend Dudley early on. And then, you know, I, I found this good spot to get items. And I fed him some items to make him more action efficient. And then, yeah. then, but it feels good in a co-op when you help somebody. And then, next thing you know, they're helping you, too. And then just kind of help you recover. Because he, like, made a path for me to go to the capital. And then after that, I just went in there and then took the capital. And just, once again, we, we barely went. What did oh, we want? man. Like, you, it was like, you had, I think the AI scored 59. Yep, I got you scored sixty. No, you scored sixty-one. I scored sixty, and the uh, K or not the chaos. The legion ended up with like fifty something. We right. squashed them. They were yeah. not a factor, but the horde was just breathing down our necks the whole game. Like yeah. guys, I cannot emphasize how down to the wire this game was. Yeah. The like the last round, we calculated how many resources we were gonna get, how many points we could convert. How many points they were gonna score, and it was a it was a tight puzzle. Yeah, and it, it didn't feel like a math puzzle though. No, like, we had to we had to look at tactical. we had to look at how much points we need to make to sort of survive and everything. Because in the game WinCon is not just I have to beat the, the enemies. Dudley has to score more than mm-hmm. enemies as well as me. Oh man, that's actually a really great thing that you just mentioned. So one of the things that I like the most about this game is the win cons. Mm-hmm. So you have your team, your faction, and your teammates' faction, and you're both playing against two opposing factions. Both players have to score more points than the highest scoring faction on the enemy's side, which means that if Johnny was not a great team player, he would have had 80 points, and I would have been stuck at 40, and we would have lost. Yeah. That encourages a ton of teamwork, because like I don't think that... Like us discussing how to take the capital. Oh yeah, back and forth. Like, oh, I think if you get it, then then I'll have to do this, and yep. then it just bounced around. I've really enjoyed that. Yeah. Like when we're kind of recapping this game, I kind of think about how in the beginning you took the brunt of the legions. We mm-hmm. spawned three horde by you, yeah, and you basically fended off everybody. While I just kind of like took expanded in my corner i finished the game with more bases than you Mm -hmm. because you gave me the opportunity to build up the bases gave me a ton more resources so once i got yeah i got strong and i was able to clear a path for you to come into the capital score nine points you took your resources i took my resources and it worked out i think that is a very 
I don't know if I would say underappreciated, but I think that when people talk about this game, there's it's not... easy to look over that yeah. aspect of the game, but it's just it just fits right into the game yeah. and how you interact with your 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 partner it or really, your, your other players. Yeah, it feels like StarCraft, where the Zerg will come out early with a ton of units, take mm-hmm. some pressure, protect their ally while they build up and mine a ton of resources and come out like gangbusters at the mm-hmm. end. Like, that was great. That was a very underrated feeling that you kind of just reminded me of. I wish I had gone into more detail about that earlier. <laughs> but I don't know, man. I think that as far as a Forex game goes... I probably would play this over TI4 any day of the week. Oh, I think easily. Eclipse will always have a have a like a place at for the table for me. Yeah. yeah, for higher player counts. But I mean, 4X and you only have two, maybe three players. Yeah. This is the one. Mm-hmm. Like I would say, you know, my favorite game is Forbidden Stars, but Forbidden Stars is not a true 4X. It's a 3X. It's an area control, you know, yeah. skirmish game. There's some stuff missing about it that I think Uprising has in it, and it makes it uh, just a very easy, accessible two, three-player game. Yeah, and those four X games, you do your turn, everyone watches you, but you're not. You might trash talk here and there, but I don't know the way this game works because it's it leans into its cooperative element like perfectly. Like mm-hmm. there's other co-op games where like you know when we're playing Descent, you're I was watching you run Bryn's character and watching you do all these badass things, but I really don't have much input on this. Yeah, but when you're doing something here, like wait, don't do that. Like it might hurt you or it might not set me up like we mm-hmm. gotta we gotta take our, our time we have to deliver every decision but it wasn't like mind crushing number crunching kind of like like a you know a, a traditional euro or anything like that either you're just figuring out hey how do you position yourself to, to be in your best position while i do it but and, but it's not where you're gonna get announced the process like oh there's so many things to do you're like well yeah. this is you know what you need to do you no know, yeah you just like do i go between here and what are you gonna do next yeah it's the encouragement of the tabletop was top notch like yeah. Everything being open information, uh, well, I guess other than the dice roll, if you want to mm-hmm. consider that, but all the information is out there. Everyone's working together to figure out what the goal is and how to get it. And oh man, I can't say this enough. There's no other game like this. I can't think yeah. of a single game that has encouraged me to talk this much and yet still be in a position where I couldn't quarterback you. Honestly, it's yeah. impossible. Yeah, you had. And that's why I think it's not possible solo, but not won't be enjoyable. Yeah. You're gonna there's just so many things to do that it's gonna take you out of the game, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So you ready for the lightning round? All right, I'll try All to right. stay on topic. So what is your favorite thing about this game? Favorite thing about this game is the four X element and that, that the fact that it's cooperative and I like what it's just so unique. Like I like I usually can describe a game and distill it pretty well, but this game I can't. I think it may be more plays I can distill into words exactly what makes it so special. Hopefully you can hear like why we're so impressed by it um, with just the things that we kind of touched on. But I I just think it's a, it's a great game. And it's been a, the last game that I played that gave me this feeling of, wow, this game is amazing. And I think about it after we play it. And when Deadly Lethal Plot, I think about the game. It's probably maybe Dwellings of Elderville? Like, mm-hmm. Or maybe, I can't remember the last game that gave me this feeling. That's been a long time. Yeah, I think you captured it correctly. It's, to me, it's a unique experience. It's right up our wheelhouse. Co-op, a lot of dice rolling, a lot of, like, table talk. Mm-hmm. Like, it do, it hits all the buttons for me. 
it stream streamlines the interface the gameplay you're really not wasting a lot of time mathing out like oh if I do seven damage here, I can get here and do this. No, most of the mathing is in your actions. And I like that because it really lets you focus on what you're doing and kind of being as efficient as possible mm -hmm. and seeing what you can do with your eight actions versus like making sure that you calculated enough forces to be able to do this to do that yeah. a lot of it is feels like kind of like a macro play versus like a micro it's play. not like a game where you can just build up massive force turtle there mm -hmm. and then you just all meet in the middle and fight to the death like mm -hmm. you can't do that because nope. there's limits on how many units you can have like they they thought they balance the game well enough where it forces you into combat because the monsters come at you and also you have to account for the losses and just kind of mm -hmm. the risk assessment. It's like part of the puzzle. The game clocks you. Yeah. It, the the way that the horde move and scores points every round for the number of curses means you can't be too passive. If you sit around and try to build up and turtle up, as they say in RTS games. You're going to get outscored, even if you're a beast at the end. If your partner is not helping you mitigate some of the points that the enemy is scoring, you, you're you just not going to win. We we came down to the wire, and Johnny basically did the like the brunt of the work in the beginning, and I was able to come in and help at the end. Yeah, he took a middle round while I took care of the, the yeah, starting finish. It's like, I don't know, maybe it was just this one play. Yeah, I cannot get over... The synergy that we had between the two of us with you protecting me early, mm -hmm. me paving the way for you to score the yeah. capital. If you didn't score the capital, we would not have won. Yeah. You know? If I scored the capital, we might have still been able to pull off a win. Maybe. But you would have had to pivot your whole plan. Yeah. And the fact that we went from plan A to plan B and then plan C and we still came out on top yeah. is great. Yeah. Because it's not... Cut and dry. You think every about when we took play. that trade action at the end to get those last three, which that was the final one point that we. No made. way. Because I gave you the last four points I had spared. Like if yeah. I didn't give you the four points, you want to have. Well, no yeah, way. but I didn't know it came down to those last three salts that you just randomly threw yeah. out there because you had nothing Otherwise, else to do. Otherwise, you would have tied with the nemesis, and I think we, we were lost. lost. Yeah. yeah, dude, that's man. That's even that makes it even better for me because like that means it literally came down to the yeah. very last possible yeah, thing we you could have done. Turn up, take making the haven, and then those five final resources yeah so uh a couple more language, yeah a couple more questions do you feel that you could find like a co-op game that encourages this kind of table talk like i'm trying to think of we've played a ton of co-ops mm -hmm. but i can't think of anything that has as much table talk as this I, because the first thing i think about is like you're a big arkham horror guy yeah and i feel like that's the kind of game that kind of elicits this kind of feeling because 100 percent does but you know arkham has its tension but you know any game that you play the first couple of times the first time it's just kind of the honeymoon phase mm -hmm. where you get like you're, you're just complacent with it. and that's how i feel about uprising at the moment you know, maybe we play more plays, and then it's just we get into you fall into patterns. I guess, like you know, you you play a game, you kind of you as human beings, we look for patterns and we try to be optimized mm -hmm. and efficient. Same thing will happen in LCG. And my hundred plus plays of Arkham, I do get into a pattern, and we still table talk, and we have a great time doing it. It's gonna be my top game for as long as like <laughs> the foreseeable future. But 
um, we're, we're not to be like a bragger about, but we're pretty good at Arkham, and we just know how to play the game really well. So we're playing for the narrative experience, mm -hmm. and we still have the tension and the crazy thing it throws. It's like watching your favorite show kind of deal. Yeah, I kind of wonder, like you know, for people that enjoy Arkham Horror, one of the things that when I was playing Arkham was even though you're playing the same game and the same story, the layout of the cards. And kind of like the mythos deck pulling out different obstacles at you mm. kind of makes me feel a little similar with the way Uprising is set up mm. because you're moving through this map and each time you set up the map is different. You're doing the same thing. You're fighting the same two guys, but the map is different. The bad guys that come out is are different. The event decks that it's change the state of the game. Yeah. Oh, man. There's we'll so never get through all this content. Absolutely not. Like, we'll I, look at it and we'll admire it. Yeah, I know. I, I, ha I have the expansion coming. The yeah. game is on... The newest expansion yeah. and reprint is on GameFound right now, and I'm getting that. Mm -hmm. I, don't, I have no idea how we're ever going to be able to log enough plays of this game to even get remotely close to exploring all the factions as well as seeing all the bad guys. Like... There's yeah. a, another expansion that puts the Arch Nemesis expansion puts like a big boss on the map that has a whole new set of abilities, and you're just like, oh, as if the game wasn't hard enough already. Right. We scraped by on a total win of two points more than or three points more than yeah. the bad guys, and we played on the easy mode. We didn't use any of the advanced cards. We didn't use any of the uh, advanced factions or anything. We played the easiest way possible. And scrape by a win. I'm looking forward to playing it again on the same difficulty mm -hmm. and seeing if we can make any strides. Because in my head, I'm picturing we're going to have a really hard time to be able to get to a point where I can say like, oh, this game is too easy. Let's, Let's ramp it up. it up. I do not see yeah. that in sight. And yeah. I think that that also offers a ton of replayability too. Because mm -hmm. if you like really hard co-ops and a lot of variability... Like I don't games, think you can go wrong. Yeah, if you like games that make your, your blood pressure spike, <laughs> like, this game, like, I feel like I, my heart is still racing from that last, the last round. Dude, like, it, was, well, it was racing the whole game, but then it hit, like, the, the fifth gear on that final round. Yeah, it was epic. Like, it really, I really felt like I was just ready for the event phase and all the upkeep stuff, just like, all right, let's yeah. hurry up and get through this so I can get back to my turn. I gotta yeah. figure this out. It was really great. I really liked it. I, mm -hmm. I think... That emergent narrative that we talk about. Yeah. Bit. Like, this is one of those games where we're like, you know, we, if we don't play for another couple months for whatever reason, we're like, oh, yeah, remember that one time? I remember. We'll talk about it later. Oh, yeah. We'll talk about this tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. But uh, one to uh, ten, what do you give it? I give it nine out of ten. Maybe if I ten. play one more time just to convince myself. Even if I lose, we won today. Like, yeah. So that probably skews a little bit. Definitely. It's an easily nine out of ten for me because I reserve ten for games that... I can get to the table regularly, and that I love this game. I, I love it for sure. Like I would buy it if Dudley didn't have it. Yeah, I think I'm close. I'm at an eight. Mm -hmm. I really, really enjoyed the gameplay, and I would play it any time. But the reason that keeps it from being a nine is because of the long play time. Mm -hmm. The game's not hard to teach. Yeah, but to get someone to sit for three, four hours to play this game, as much fun as it is. I can't give it that high of a score just because I know that realistically we're only going to get it to the table maybe... Two, three times a year. Yeah, we're if lucky. even that much. Yeah. I mean, I would play it all the time, but our backlog is <laughs> so great. Like, I yeah. realistically, I can't give like that game a 10. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I mean, Descent right now for me is a 9. And the only reason it's a 9 is because I know that once we're done with the campaign, I'm not coming back. I can't give that a 10. Yeah. So, like, I can't give Uprising any higher than an eight mostly because like 
the length of the game and the fact that we're just not like it's just not something that's going to be able to hit the table as frequently as something like mm-hmm. descent is descent is so easy to get to yeah. the table but that's pretty much it is there anything else you want to no, say um, you know sorry i was able to give like exact concrete details on the game but it's just one of those games where like it gives you that like a, that honeymoon phase i keep describing yeah i like i just I'm just completely amazed by it, and I'm. Impressed. I'm just. I'm just gonna sleep over. Let's just play again. Like, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. There's no way. Yeah, because you know, there's not a lot of games you play, and you're like, you kind of get the you're spinning the wheel. There's just a, a retheme of something, but this game just feels super fresh to me. One of a kind. Yeah. Never played it. If Voidfall co-op is at all similar to this, and really, I hope that adds whoever a more narrative. Yeah, whoever reviews it goes in depth about the co-op elements being kind of like this. I might have to pick up a copy because I didn't know that co-op 4Xs were in my wheelhouse, but it absolutely is. Mm-hmm. I love I love 4X games. I just wish that they were shorter, yeah. but I also don't want to give up the epicness, and I think Uprising nails that. Yeah, It's short enough, but not so short that you don't feel like you engaged in some epic war battle yeah. type deal. But that pretty much wraps up episode two. Um... I think really one thing I want to say is I want to thank everyone who listened to the first episode. And if you're listening to this episode, I cannot appreciate you anymore. Yeah. Like, Thanks for coming back. Yeah, like really, <laughs> we had a total of like, what, 23 plays of the first episode. Yeah. And it sounds so like crummy because you know some of these people are getting thousands of hits. Yeah. And I don't even care. We're doing this yeah. for fun. We literally played a game that we enjoyed. We put out this podcast for whoever wants to listen. And honestly, it's just a reason for me and you to talk about this game because yeah. I just like talking about games. Right. So for everyone who listened to the first one and are listening to this one, thank you. We're just going to keep doing this. Yeah. I don't care if no one listens if to it. It helps you buy a game because you can't find a review on it. Or you just, yeah. if you know you find some bits from us talking that convinces you for or against the game, then I feel like we did our job. Shoot. If one person bought Uprising yeah. and told us that this was a really great experience, I would be so happy. Yeah. Because all I want people to do is to play the games I like, so that way if I ever run into them, I don't have to play Arkwright or <laughs> Container or anything like yeah. made of cubes. Yes. No, thank you. <laughs> but I think that's all for tonight, guys. Thank you so much again. Uh, our Instagram, our Twitter, and everything that you could possibly... Actually, I think it's just Instagram and Twitter. That's all we have. It's yeah. one shit wonder, all one word. Our email is oneshitwonder at gmail.com. We've received a couple emails already from our IRL friends, Ryan and Chris. Shout out. Thank you, Ryan, for the email. Chris, you scored negative 15 on Arc Nova. I beat you by 27 <laughs> total points. <laughs> just so you know, Chris... I not the highest total twenty seven points. Also, Johnny has crushed your score of a feast for Odin, and he started playing last week. All right, good night, everyone. Thank night. you again. Thank you.